Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast and uh, today we have another uh, continuation of a series which I call Art Talk. If you might have noticed my uh, podcast is having certain sections like literature is what I started with, then there was Art Talk, uh, you know I had a conversation with Devakar, uh, my friend who's a curator. Um, then I went on to mental health talk. I had a conversation with uh, uh, a psychologist, a therapist, and a life talk. So conversation with my mom. So these are like sections, and we are coming back to another edition of art talk today. And in that, I'm going to be to, uh, having a short conversation with uh, Prayas Abhinav, who is um, who's my friend. He is also, of course, himself a curator, a teacher, an artist. Uh, so let me give you a little bit of an introduction uh, to Prayas before I have him on. Um, it's again a phone conversation, so just bear with the audio quality. We are trying. I'm trying from home um, isolation, um, and so here we go. Let's talk about Prayas. So, um, Prayas, uh, let me just first give, tell you the story of how I met him uh, or how I came to know of him. So it was not really through professional circles or anything. Uh, of course, we were. F- uh, I think we were friends on Facebook, and uh, we had some common friends, some artists and curators, and of course, being that being the, you know, the professional side of it. Um, uh, but I think he had mentioned on his Facebook once that he was looking for uh, a dog sitter. You know, somebody to take care of his dog. I think he was traveling out of town and. Um, people when uh, you know his wife and and son they were not at home something like that so he wanted actually somebody to take care of his dog and i was i was new in amdabad and i kind of uh, i lo- like dogs so, so i said why not um, and so i said I-, I can volunteer and that's how we got to talking I, I mean i called him or i sent him a message on facebook and then we kind of met up um and i was invited to his home and i met his lovely wife and son and uh, i think i never dog sat i was just uh, had a nice conversation with him and we became friends i and uh, yeah it was a lovely experience so prayas now let me just tell you his um prayas is a multifaceted he, he's done so much that it's hard for me to keep up but um i know that his interests lie in um, you know curatorial practice he's interested in residencies he's interested in intervention uh technology so you know humanities and uh, uh, technology he's also interested in game theory uh, in uh, poetry in fiction uh, speculative fiction according to uh, his biography um I, i'm sorry his little note you know his introductory note uh, so he is somebody who has done a lot of residencies all across the country he contributes to a lot of research projects um in sept as well in also another uh, space called the center for experimental media arts um he's taught at shristi school of art and design so his interests also are design and architecture um he's also set up uh, and initiated uh, the museum of vestigial desire um prayas also uh, uh develops games that is one of his most recent uh, projects where he is uh, 
created games, board games, uh, interesting games that uh, he's put out in the market already. And uh, I'm not going to go into specifics because I think uh, the conversation with Prayas can last for quite a long time. Um, I mean, it can be a series, um, so I can do that. Um, so let's have him on and uh, he will tell us all the various, various projects that he's um, doing at the moment and what he's done in the past. Uh, I think today we are going to talk a little bit about his curatorial practice and what he feels about the art world today and maybe game theory as well or about uh, the games um, that he's uh, creating at the moment. Okay, so just hold on for a minute and we'll have Prayas on. Okay, so hi Prayas, you're officially on my podcast. Hi Martha. Um, so I've given a little bit of introduction about you, you know, as a curator, as a researcher, a writer, a teacher, and all of this in, in just a very few lines. But maybe yeah. just for everyone to know you a little better, in your own words, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've had a uh, kind of uh, strange journey, uh, and all of it started from... Uh, not knowing how I fit, right? So mm-hmm. I, I started off uh, writing poetry, and oh, wow. uh, I used to write poetry quite actively, and uh, I didn't, uh, I couldn't understand how poetry was relevant to the, these uh, times that we live in, mm-hmm. and everything that uh, emerged after that uh, was basically an attempt to try and interpret or uh, extrapolate how poetry could be, you know, uh, applied to these current times. So, I mean, I was uh, experimenting with uh, textual, uh, how text and uh, art kind of work together. Right. As, as kind of trying to uh, understand how social media could be, I mean, activated using more uh, kind of uh, sharp, philosophical kind of, uh, you know, messages. Mm -hmm. And uh, also uh, how, you know, peers knowledge these uh, platforms could be set up. So that's something which we collaborated on, me, Malvika, and Satya. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, a platform called Satyashil, and we were trying to do uh, conversations across disciplines and across boundaries and practices and all that. So I did that and now uh, I'm actually at a point where, yes, I'm uh, I'm just back to doing things unknown. Uh, so I'm designing games. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, I'm also working on trying to set up a e-learning platform, right. which... Uh, uh, works with the simple idea of uh, practitioner learning. So, uh, which so which means that if we acknowledge that most of the education, educational environment around us mm-hmm. is not far away from theory. I mean, which is to say that people who are teaching don't actually do all that much. So, I mean, they are teaching because they know the subject, hmm. but they don't know it from doing it. They know it from knowing it. <laughs> I mean, right. So, Theoretically. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, this platform I'm basically designing around the fact that, okay, it's just 
for practitioners to share what they have learned by doing. So, so we have three kinds of learning. Uh, I mean, I'm just uh, talking about this because uh, <laughs> I'm currently working on it. So yes, this is on your mind right now. Yeah, yeah. lots of things on his mind. <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> but this one is the most yeah. recent, yes. Yeah, so the, uh, we, uh, I have three formats of learning. One is a course, which is a regular course, but also which is differentiated in format. I'll go into that later. Mm-hmm. The second is a walkthrough. Okay. So a walkthrough is just someone, for, so imagine someone having a lot of images and browser tabs open mm-hmm. and trying to explain to you a single topic, the yeah. or exactly uh, how do did they arrive at some point? So basically, that's a walkthrough. So that I am trying to convey to you where I am at. Right, correct, correct. And uh, the third uh, format of learning that uh, hypercampus has is a peer dialogue. So. Uh, so that's a conversation, a video conversation where I'll be the anchor. I mean, it's very similar to a podcast, but not a podcast. Right. So I'll be the anchor, and there'll be two invited practitioners who are, in that sense, peers, mm-hmm. but they have had similar but dissimilar journeys. I mean, so that's what we end up talking about. Right. Uh, yeah, so right. that's so something that. Yeah. If you are speaking to me of the particular educational platform or the educational series that you are working on right now, but yeah. uh, since you spoke of a walkthrough, I, I, I would maybe like to take it um, back, you know. Can we go back yeah. to your, say, poetry writing days, also your sure. teaching days and your curatorial sure. days, uh, which are continuing, I'm sure, and also coming to, you know, gaming, game theory and so just this, because you have been on such an interesting journey, I mean, you are one of the most most interesting people that I know, to be very honest. Uh, it's, it's a journey that, yes, you I know it is spanning in all of these fields that are really interconnected, interdisciplinary work happening here. But it's um, interesting for me to know all these stages, uh, maybe just a little bit about each stage and at what time you went through, um, not through, but kind of uh, uh, in, through the state. Yeah, I mean, uh, but uh, just to start with discussing it, you know, very frankly, hmm. that everything that I've done, all these, all those threads, I have not, I've not managed to tie all those loose ends. So, right. uh, I mean, so essentially I call it a journey because I don't know what else to call it. I mean, basically right. I did, I, I, I tried. it's chronologically a journey, but I'm sure these, all these threads are, Actually, ah, but, but uh, not a not a journey as in uh, mm. a kind of uh, you know a planned kind mm. of uh, narrative of going from one thing to the other and mm. other in, uh, reflecting a progression of some kind and all that. Mm. So more or less, uh, a lot of things that couldn't haven't been able to figure how to uh, take them somewhere, and mm. then I jumped to something else to uh, kind of try and. Uh, make something else work. So, uh, mm. I think only over the next 10 years or so, I'll try to actually, uh, I'll manage to actually tie up all those loose ends because having loose ends in your life also uh, feels a bit unfulfilled. Right. It, it feels a bit fragmented. So, mm. 
which uh, which is fine. I mean, if you will, uh, if you will, if you base your life on experimenting, hmm. uh, experimenting necessarily means that uh, most will not work out and some will work out. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, wouldn't, so, wouldn't um, you call each part of your life like life like a layer? You know, there's so many layers inside rather than loose ends. I mean, there there are layers to everything, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is that I, I don't uh, really claim that uh, it's fully resolved in the sense that, you know, because over time, once you have spent a lot of time doing whatever, uh, there is a tendency often to uh, kind of, uh, in hindsight, narrate it as if it was all part of a grand design. No. Right. <laughs> and, and that's not something I feel very comfortable doing because I know that's not true. Right. True. Very true. Okay, but you are kind of um, causing a problem in my grand design. <laughs> 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 because I have to deal with each part of it separately. So, okay, since I am in the field of art history and we talk, you and me have spoken about curation quite a bit. Ah, Do you want to, yeah. take, to talk about curation a little bit and and your yeah. experience so, curating uh, shows? Yeah. I mean, uh, m- my uh, uh, insight into curating, uh, hmm. for uh, for example, always was that you know try and create experiences which surprise people or take them out of the uh, the the known or what they're seen as. I mean, force them yeah. to make connections right. and. I was uh, pretty disappointed with what I found in the in the field as such because uh, I found that people actually are not interested in doing cultural work as such because they are interested in putting up events and yeah. I mean exciting events. So uh, now which which uh, catch eyeballs and which mm-hmm. sometimes become memorable or whatever they do, they have their own. Uh, I mean, uh, intent uh, yeah, behind that, right. but uh, but uh, one of the those intents is not uh, trying to uh, offer a surprising uh, or you know uh, narrative or uh, extending a engaging sort uh, of thing. So yeah, what according so to you, is is something surprising, something involving. In, in terms of curation, what would you consider to be, say, a good, well-curated show or a well So, the most important thing that uh, I believe is, uh, you know, when you're doing something in the public, mm-hmm. uh, you uh, can't get away with saying things uh, that no one understands or accepts. And, I mean, in the sense, the flow of information cannot be one day. You cannot just arrive at the scene, say, okay, and that's it. And yeah. uh, uh, and uh, people are supposed to receive that and, okay, make sense of that or whatever. Right. So, it, uh, I mean, if, if you're, if what you, if uh, someone does something in public and has the courage to actually enter into a dialogue, which right. is to say that uh, start off by saying, ki, okay, this is what I've done. Does it, mm. does it uh, you know, uh, do you process that way? Do you perceive it that way? And right. what do you perceive it as? And right. going going further from there, because so for me, the biggest uh, 
layer of, uh, I mean, things which actually triggered me has been, you know, uh, that in public life a lot of people just uh, uh, stage events and happening without bothering to examine whether they are actually being received that way in any shape or form. So, they so rely it's on mono-speak. It's all curator's point of view, mono-speak and... Uh, Ah, and, hmm, hmm. Yeah, and no one really is there to examine whether ye right in your eyes. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, uh, so I've visited a lot of exhibitions and happening hmm. in which the, if, if you just wander around the crowd and hear the conversations, huh, hmm. people making, I mean, incredible, they're just, so, you know, they're just, they're, they're just not ready to expect that, okay, this is what they're giving, but I'm not getting this. Right. So, there is a profound disconnect between what has been given and what has been received. And hmm. somehow that's a problem to me, because if that, if that is not problematized, then, you know, we will, and like we have already, uh, we will go on remaining in this in this span of cynicism. This uh, cynicism is one of the most damaging things in, in our public culture right now. Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's just like doing it for doing sake. No one really <laughs> wants to connect with the receiver. I mean, so you know, I actually want to see how people can do things and how people can receive them. Uh, without uh, without them kind of uh, uh, you know just uh, making sense in terms of a career progression for the doer, but what the other part I mean, mm-hmm. so okay, so go on your CV and your CV. Yeah, so you were saying that there's a disconnect between the you know the person who is putting out a show and the receiver, you know. Yeah, so and it needs to mean something more than just a career progression uh, for whoever is uh, doing it, you know, because uh, things are somehow very, uh, uh, have become very banal in, in the form of the, uh, you get to do an exhibition, so of course there is going to be a TV and of course that, that's but something. In a capitalistic mentality or that kind of a thing, this is where it is. Sort of heading, na? I mean, in a natural way. No, Mitra, uh, why can't we do this? That, okay, it's a, I mean, for example, I mean, I'm talking about pro- professionalism. That, right. Uh, right. I'm talking about the same thing. I'm talking about, it's a, uh, in the sense, if I go to a blacksmith to get something repaired, hmm. that guy is not going to celebrate that I'm getting business hmm. while I'm there at his shop. First, his concern will be to do a good job. Correct. And so there is a there is a there is a process to it, right? So in the sense, I don't mind if you celebrate this uh, being a kind of credible official achievement for you after it's over. But while it is going on, uh, you should uh, in, in in some rare form try to make it an excellent piece of affair, right? Uh, I mean, at least that's what would uh, seem uh, make common sense to me, but. It's right. apparently not so much common sense because it's uncommon sense because I've not found too many people who agree with me. I find actually more people who say, uh, I not But, you know, we are living in a different kind of world where things uh, are, you know, and you cannot insist and expect 
uh, things to be according to me, you expect them. So, I have actually got more flag for... Yeah, I can understand the different of, 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 of opinion. But, uh, so tell me a little bit more about your own curatorial works. I mean, uh, maybe the latest one or just give us an example of, you know, what to find when we look for it in your website or... Yeah, so I've, uh, uh, I've had, uh, I mean, maybe, uh, two or three, uh, uh, books that I did, and, uh, I mean, for some reason, they were all resilientes. That this week, resilientes have been around, like the, uh, in residents, the curators in residents, whatever you like, and, uh, in that sense, uh, guided or mentored, you know, the participants and had, have had dialogue with them. Right. So, uh, the first one of this kind of thing that I did was called On the Side Rail. This was, uh, I don't know, maybe 2011 and, uh, at the Guild Gallery in Bombay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we just, we invited a bunch of, uh, maybe a bunch of the, uh, six young practitioners and each one of them did something as they, so we uh, converted the gallery to a residency space and uh, everyone was leaving it as a studio. Right. Uh, so I was basically, yeah, trying to make a different set of connections there from a, from let's say an artist who used a lot of electronics in, in, in his work. Mm-hmm. To someone who the creature or of mythmaking, who used a lot of uh, kind of mythology and all of that in mm-hmm. his work to make uh, someone with a video. I mean, so it was of course all medium based, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, some something to do with how uh, those practitioners use their media rather than uh, you know what they. Uh, I mean, rather than just the keywords uh, of uh, what they did and. Uh, the effort was that, yeah, if they spend time together, they would also spark off some, uh, something which makes them do, which makes them push their own boundaries. Yeah, right. so it's interactive in that sense, like. Yeah. Right. Right. So, is there a website uh, or a place where people can find your, uh, an archive of your work? I'm going to put a link in a, in my, you know, whenever I share it. Ah, so you can go to teaching.prayas.in. Teaching.prayas.in for everyone, yeah, okay. Ah, hmm. and uh, that will, uh, you know, uh, give you a kind of uh, index to uh, most of my, uh, you know, significant things, subjects and whatever. Right. I love that you are so so multifaceted, and there is so much more than just you know simple uh, curatorial practice going on. For example, in the last one in Vyom, uh, you did um, you know performance with poetry and words, right? That was also Agreed. yeah. You want to tell me a little bit more about that one, the last one? So uh, we were uh, actually just uh, with the simple idea that. Of poetry, as in when you talk to someone about uh, writing poetry, it just seems like a, a very daunting idea that, okay, poetry is not something I can write, it's, it's, it's something that poets write, and I'm not a poet. Hmm. So, uh, 
the actually simplified fact of uh, making a poem instead of writing it was making a poem yes. but uh, through giving so basically so it created uh, first and second lines of guzzles and uh, it could mix and match different combinations right. to make up make up uh, new guzzles rather than just the ones which uh, you're familiar with in the, from the film song or whatever Right. So uh, it was a very simple uh, exercise in trying to see how uh, we could, uh, you know, bring poetry into a common conversation. Right. So again, so it, it, again, it's audience based. I I I can see that you like dialogue and you like participation. Actually, uh, I mean, because I mean, uh, uh, dialogue and participation uh, make. I mean, becomes uh, sort of the only validation points uh, for me for any any kind of thing because basically, uh, level you can uh, you can make up and it can probably uh, what is called mitya. It is it is all just you know uh, illusion. Right. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what people experience genuinely yes. and, and what they enjoy or they don't enjoy whatever. Um, you immediately feel that I'm, uh, I created an experience for somebody and, you know, that, uh, for, uh, for all, all I know, it's going to be memorable for them forever. Yes, yes, true, true. So, Pat, I think with you, uh, if you don't mind, I would love this to be a series because I feel like there is so much more that um, that uh, I won't be able to cover today uh, because ah. you are like one universe, I feel. Um, <laughs> because we've already done, I think, half an hour, 40 minutes already, and I didn't even realize the time passing by. But before that's before that's we that. stop, I want to talk about uh, game theory and what you're doing with games. Um, and I especially, uh, if you remember, I wrote a little note for you for that particular show. And in ah. and for that brief of that note, what you told me was that uh, you're interested in fun, just at the moment experiential fun. Um, which ah. has for me, and I'm sure you, uh, a deeper meaning. You know, it's a lot more, I know nobody likes the word spiritual, but ah. just, just that deeper significance, if you know what I mean, ah. right? Yeah, I mean, because, uh, I mean, so being a, in that sense, uh, game designer, hmm. uh, I'm part of a lot of communities in which you know, these game designer guys are trying to uh, all actively make games and talk about what they do and all that. Right. So, uh, uh, there are lots of hierarchies of fun, uh, surprisingly, uh, as I find. Hierarchies uh, of fun, you said? Yeah, I think it's a fun. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's like, uh, you know, there are degrees of fun, uh, uh, and the kind of fun that simple people and children can have yes. is some, sometimes just looked down upon because hmm. it's somehow not deep enough. It somehow doesn't have layers enough. And yes. the, the kind of fun which is, uh, which is complex or which is derived oh, from. Cerebral or something. Or which is sophisticated and cerebral mm-hmm. and all that, is mm-hmm. kind of given a lot more value. Which right. confounds me. I mean, which, which is like saying, uh, yeah, 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 Muslim, this is almost like minority play happening. Like, right. uh, how many of you, uh, how many of Jews uh, are there out there who are uh, kind of sophisticated and cerebral? I mean, this is basically some kind of class warfare. If, if yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't understand what's happening. 
so uh, actually my focus in game design remains how to actually become accessible so to as large a kind of uh, group as possible so and which is which is abhi wo matlab jo bolte hain na so abhi wo teer mara hai but in the sense abhi wo laga nahi hai so in the sense i am still actively trying to make a, a game that is universally appealing but right. uh, i don't have much to show for it because uh, so far my own games also have been not so accessible so right. they and i'm thinking from personal learning that uh, after i get games which are maybe you know uh, limited in the access i felt ki yaar ye kyun aise ki banaya hai is practically in that space so it is a personal challenge uh, that uh, where do you get it from right i mean where do, where do you get your fun from do you get your fun from making something elaborate and and visual even though nobody understands it and accesses it or do you get your fun from the fact that oh people are able to receive it and make it even if it is simple right so and I'm, i'm not talking of uh, being populist and because mm-hmm. those two uh, being accessible and being popular that's a different thing mm-hmm. but uh, i'm not talking about teaching to an audience but mm-hmm. i'm talking about yeah i mean the idea practices yeah simple simpler than that it's just that you know as practitioners you have to be i think less obsessed with you know our, uh, uh, you know uh, maybe demonstrating our own skill as uh, you know pulling off intricate things and we sometimes uh, yeah maybe need to also be concerned about yeah a tasty comrade i mean just yeah. become a source of fun yeah. yeah and also being simple is maybe the hardest thing to do sometimes you know i don't know if i ha matlab it is so hard but uh, it, i mean it has something to do with this culture senses that we live in because right. uh, because when things go over our head we dismiss care may get to hunger matlab in the sense ki ya mujhme koi kami hai and so we all cultivate negative self self images because because practitioners actually want to talk down to us because it gives them a high when uh, when nobody gets anything it's like ha see this is so stupid so but that that's a strange kind of cultural politics and i don't think you are too i mean really clear that kind of thing i mean something parallel that in my mind also has like I, that thoughts that comes to me a lot there is this sort of uh, dichotomy between like intellectualization or or you know thinking cognition and you know intellectual world as opposed to say just intuitive simple fun things you know which come from somewhere deeper and you i mean i, I sometimes feel that rivalry uh, i don't know if it ah, relates to and, uh, i mean my own uh, realization has been that what we call intellectual is mostly uh, something that is you know uh, uh, i mean you don't bother to work more on because if you if you process it enough then it ought to actually become simple and beautiful but when we leave it half day right. uh, and we then and then just pulse the ritual and but actually it is just incomplete because 
uh, it ought to be processed more in order to become simple and lucid, which we don't make it. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I, I mean uh, someone who is listening to this might just say, look who's talking, because a lot of my own text is so incredibly dense and, you know, thick and hmm. complex that it's so complicated. So, so why? Why is why is that? I mean, so I, I, I didn't process it enough. So I'm not saying that uh, what what I feel now I have managed to do, hmm. but I want to do it. I mean, I want to reach a point where uh, I don't have uh, I don't take pride in the fact that nobody understands my work. I take pride in the fact that so many people understand my work. Right. Sure. Right. That's where you're going towards, right? Yeah, I'm going towards. Uh, yeah, I mean, trying to become, uh, I mean, trying to really become, uh, uh, yeah, uh, re- uh, being able to connect, right? Being yeah. able to connect to people and uh, what they are able to receive rather yeah. than just seeing what they So, yeah. they're not bothered about it's sitting in smart or not. Right, right, right. Okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, your curatorial practice, a little bit about your gaming, game designing. Um, we, uh, in terms of teaching, also you mentioned uh, about courses. Um, ah. Anything else that I've left out that I would want to do in the second episode? I would love to talk to you again if you are okay with that. Yeah, yeah. so you could uh, maybe talk a little bit more about writing. So uh, mm. uh, because uh, I think that's what I've done most in public life. I've written. And yes. uh, I've not always managed to, like I said, connect and get through, but mm-hmm. I've written. And yeah. uh, I think uh, that is also something. As, okay. uh, so, you could talk about that. It would be great if I, I, um, I read one of your pieces or works and then we can talk about it. So, I think I'll find something on teaching the press or you let me know one topic. So that, ah, you know, I'll send you a link right now. I'll okay. send you a link. Uh, of Museum of History Desire, which was the longest running writing project. Museum of History Desire, yes. yes. Ah. Okay, lovely. So I'll read that. Maybe we'll talk on the phone once, and then we'll do another episode of this podcast. I'm trying to keep these episodes between 30 to 40 minutes, so that you know um, it stays, yeah. uh, people enjoy it. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Uh, thank you, Prayas. Sure. Uh, for sure. It's a wonderful. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.